Gotta go to AA meetings, and I, I do go to AA meetings now. Sometimes just out of convenience, <laughs> but um, uh, I feel you. But it was a very interesting experience, and so I always hear it go the other way, especially with women. Uh, they yeah. tend to go in the other direction. Um, so it's it's fascinating. Um, I I would love to hear that story. I'm I'm now fascinated that you're an NA girl. There's not very many. Of you. <laughs> I, yeah, yeah, we're we're a small, fierce community. We will stab yes, you. Yes, um, <laughs> that's that's great. <laughs> yeah. Um, all right. NA let's girls get, are the best. <laughs> exactly. We're more fun. Yes. Okay. Uh, let's go ahead and clap in. All right. Three, two, one. Hey, everyone. Welcome to 12 Questions. Uh, it is Anna Valenzuela, and I am coming to you live from Arroyo Grande, California. Uh, we are killing it in the game up here. Apparently, they caught a murderer. Uh, that's exciting. Uh, so that's going to be on the news forever. It's the tiniest town. I'm very excited to be here, and I'm so excited that while I am seeing my friends and family. I can still podcast and see the beautiful face of Mr. Dave Yates. Hey, we're doing it live on the Zoom. Technology is convenient. We love it. <laughs> yes, yeah, so Zoomy. Dave, why don't you go ahead and read that beautiful clarity statement for us? Sure can. Welcome to 12 Questions. We're a podcast where we believe growth and recovery isn't just for clean and sober people. Our mission is to share our experiences with guests who do the same. We're not affiliated with AA, NA, or any other 12-step organization. 12 Questions has absolutely no opinion on the use of alcohol or drugs by anyone. We're simply two people that happen to be in recovery that want to give hope to anyone struggling. Although some of our guests may be clean and sober, some of them are not or choose not to divulge. The purpose of the podcast is to learn more about ourselves and others. We only hope that you can learn something about yourselves and each other by listening. Yay! Very exciting. The muffins are done. That's great. Um, and who are we speaking with today? I'm John. Hello. Hi, John. Hello. It's my new best friend, John, everybody. Uh, we've just been chatting it up, having a time, just being fantastic. So, oh my gosh, John, uh, you're a delightful human. I just well, have to tell you, you this up top. And I can't wait to share just all the things that make you so delightful with the the humans that listen to this podcast. <laughs> So like, so what's your, what, what's your whole story? I know that like, I know that you and Dave have been friends for a hundred years. Like, what's the story? Well, not um, yes. I mean, in terms not of 12-step recovery time, it's like dog years. So we were yeah. friends for a few years, which equals 10 yes, yes. in regular human years. <laughs> yes, yes, I would say so. God, what it's been, like probably four years or something? I think, yeah, I've known you since I moved to Los Angeles. Because like I got, I got a job at the same treatment house Yes. Um, uh, that you worked at uh, about maybe yeah. six to eight months after my live in, in Los Angeles. So it's it's been three and change, I believe, if I want to get specific. Yeah, I think that's about right. Yeah, we worked together for a while, and then I, I got the hell out of there, <laughs> moved to another place. <laughs> like <laughs> you do. <laughs> it, it, was a, it was a great learning spot. Really. Sure. I mean, I learned a lot. Um, but yeah. Was that your first treatment gig? It was my second. It was my second treatment job. Um, and I started off as a driver and then I became a weekend manager and then I was house manager. It was kind of, it was a good, good learning process for me. There. Um, yeah. I had a client die on me there, which was horrible, oh, but, uh, yep. but that was, that was actually probably my biggest learning 
thing in recovery. It's very difficult, yeah. but uh, Let's get it was huge. It. Though it was, it was good for me. Yeah, yeah. You know? I mean, uh, that was my first foray, foray into working and getting paid at a treatment center. I had done volunteer work for treatment centers in the past, and I used to speak every Tuesday at because I went to rehab inside of a hospital. Like it wasn't an actual, like it was just a yeah. wing of a hospital that I spent uh, 23 days in. And then, you know, pre-moving to Los Angeles, I would speak there every Tuesday for about 45 minutes to an hour just in general about program stuff. And then um, we had a revolving door of people who one lady actually was uh, in rehab with me and she came back around again, like. Uh, oh, this had to be, I was like maybe three years sober and she came back around again. So it's like to work, to actually get paid in the treatment field was a, a little bit of a wild scenario. Cause it's like, <laughs> is it service? Is it these people yeah. need babysitters? And I think it's a, a very true. A, a lot of both. Yeah. <laughs> I, I like to, uh, to think of myself as, as I was a uh, glorified babysitter. For most <laughs> <laughs> yeah, an adult babysitter. I yeah. remember one time, there, God, the last place I worked, it was, it was delightful and they were really cool for most of the time. And then, and then when it was time to go, it was time to go. And yeah. <laughs> um, there, was, there was one time where I had a client come back from a visit and I had to convince her that she, like, she came back and someone convinced her the world was flat. So I had to, like, try to deprogram. Was, was it Q? Did Q convince? Her? I'm sure that person <laughs> that also convinced her of that was like also a QAnon person. It was like a whole thing. Um, and then, uh, God, my first weekend there, uh, they got one of them was uh, banging a kid at the uh, at the men's house, and they broke up. So she tried to burn his T-shirts outside, oh and I was like, "We don't start fires." <laughs> today that's yeah, not how we deal with our grief bylaws. i don't know if you read the bylaws of the house but uh, yeah no <laughs> fires fire. and then they were like oh, well the God. guys are gonna come over in a second i said no they're not you just started a fire and they were like <laughs> they were like oh anna you're such a bummer and i was like yeah welcome to the new weekend shift yeah i'm not mad i don't play all right you started a fire God. we're grounded all right um and how and many, how many five so years hard. did you do did you do in the in the field from uh 07 to 2017 so 10 years and i wow. worked at a few different places i took a, a little break i worked at an autistic uh adult living center and it was really mm. funny because i just ran it like a rehab <laughs> <laughs> And it worked. It worked. It was like, it was the, it was the tea. It was such a good model for residential living. And, um, and, uh, I know like a lot has changed, but, and it was actually, I took before I left when things got weird, I, I took uh, a month off to do a TV thing and they had, um, they had an OD on site while I was gone. And, um, one of the things that happened was this, the, the one of the techs she apparently like fell out at the side of the narcan needle just like fell out and the girls had to like do all the resuscitation 
So, mm-hmm. and they resuscitated the client, but like, I can't imagine that's everybody, good. everybody was so shook. They're telling me the story and I'm like, trying not to laugh. I'm like, that's actually really funny. And they're like, no, it's not funny. And I'm like, are you sure? And they're like, cause I'm like, from this perspective, that's hilarious. <laughs> so, um, like, like we have one job is we've been trained. Remember when they took us to that place? They were just like, jam a needle in. Like, remember that? And, uh, <laughs> but, uh, but it's, it's really cool that, I mean, it's really cool that the girl lived, but it's, I can't imagine was, was the individual just like asleep and then you just walked in to do a bed check and they were gone. That's the nightmare we were always told. Yeah. That was kind of what it was like. Um, what happened was, uh, the guy had a, a case manager um, or a life coach and the life coach was calling him and calling him. They had a date to do a, uh, not a date, but a, a setup to go to a, a depression, like anonymous meeting. He wasn't even there for, uh, for drug and alcohol. Like, drug it was problems. mental health. Yeah. It was mental health. Oh, and, um, weird. You mean shoving somebody yeah. in a treatment center that isn't for that is not effective. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Weird. So I, I went up and I went to check on him and, uh, I knocked on his door and I, I opened the door a little bit and um, it, what it looked like, it, was, it looked like he was laying in bed and, and it looked like he had a bunch of cotton balls sticking out of his nose. And I was like, what do you do with those cotton balls sticking out of your nose? And I, I opened up the door and I realized, oh, that's foam coming out of his nose. And, uh, oh, no. and so, yeah, I dragged him, put him on the, on the floor, wiped his face off, called 911. He was pretty purple at that point. Um, did CPR on him for a bit, and then they came, and the uh, the fire department came, and they checked his back, and they realized that he had a, God, what is his name? It's, it's like the penis pill, but it's not Levitra, but somehow. Agra. Where, no, no, Levitra, it's it's a, not Levitra, but it's a word like Levitra, where the blood pools in your body. And it causes a bruise on your on your body if you've been oh. dead for a while. And so they don't do CPR after that happens. Um, and so they rolled him over on his back and then there's bruise on his back, like dark blue. And so they stopped doing CPR at that point. But he was a really good kid, you know. Yeah. And he just uh, he asphyxiated on his own vomit while he was sleeping. He didn't overdose or anything. Um, really? Yeah. It was yeah. It was, just was an accidental death. Yeah. And Whoa. he was 21, 21 years old. Been there for yep. about a year. Great kid. You know? Yo, the yeah. PTSD it's, of it all. How are you? Yeah, there's, there's a bit. I'm all right. I, my, my sponsor keeps telling me I should go get therapy, but I, I did once. <laughs> I don't know. I, I've, I've had a lot of, I guess, traumatic stuff in my life, and it just doesn't seem to be um, one of the top. Uh, it's not even top. It's what it's. <laughs> Yeah, it's we talk about this a lot. Grief is a compounding thing. And so sometimes we'll have a traumatic event happen. And, you know, we will box it up and say, you know what, we're going to deal with you later because you're not stopping (laughs) me today. And um, sometimes the problem is, is those boxes don't go anywhere is they just sit, they just sit there in your heart and in your mind and get you. And so, um, but I, you know, I don't know, Dave, should we get into this? Should we yeah, do it? I mean, this is a perfect time for the first question. Yeah. Is, uh, John, All right. What does surrender look like to you? Surrender. So I was thinking about this. This is the one of the questions that, that I was like, oh, that's kind of tough, you know, but I only had a really short answer. So I asked a couple people about it and uh, like surrender to me is just giving up, you know, um, I was talking with my roommate this morning about it and, and I was like, 
trying to say, I was like, that's all it is to me, just giving up. Like, so he tells me this little analogy that uh, one of the, uh, the people told him at, at the IOP that he went to, he was like, have you ever seen uh, army people when they surrender? Um, it's not really giving up. It's, it's when they know that they can't win. Um, and what they do is they put their guns down and they wait and they listen for orders for what to do, you know, and they sit down. And I was like, that's pretty much surrender. Yes. So yeah. I thought it was a great analogy. Um, but that's, that's pretty much what it is for me is, is surrender is, is when I, I shut up and, and I stop thinking and I, I listen to, to suggestions, you know, um, that's surrender to me. Well, I mean, too, and it's like, I mean, given, I mean, what we let into, it's just like, sometimes I have to surrender to the fact that we, like, we did all we could, you know? Yeah. Like, I mean, we can get into the nitty gritty about what happened with that person, because I was, I, I came in later that day, you know, yeah. and so I couldn't imagine what it would have been like to have been you. And I, I've often thought about that, you know, over, over time, it's like, man, fucking John had to find him you know, um, but just given the circumstances, take the drugs and alcohol away from me. I feel responsible for shit that I'm not responsible for sometimes. Yeah. You know, for sure. Like yeah. I feel responsible for the way people think of me. I feel responsible for the way that I'm being treated you know, like, I feel like it's my fault. And do I have a part to play in certain things? Yes. Like surrender doesn't mean I don't have a part in it, but surrender also means that like, I really have, I'm powerless over the people, places, and things that are outside of the hula hoop that surrounds me. Very true. Very true. Yeah. It's, um, I like the way you phrase that, Dave, it's the feeling responsible for things that are not our responsibility. I was, um, I had a friend tell me the other day, I was getting ready to do this podcast. So I was like, I got to go. And he goes, oh, what's what's your podcast? And I told him, and he goes, oh, that sounds really touchy-feely. I said, yeah. And he goes, <laughs> he goes, yeah, that makes sense. You're the type of person, if someone broke into your house, you'd say, are you okay to the person who broke into your house? You'd be like, do you need anything? <laughs> um, but that's what that is. And I was in the, God, my, I took my stepmom to a hot date to Walmart, you know, because we're out here in the sticks too. When you go on a hot date to Walmart, that's a big day. Went on a hot date to Walmart and uh, and she apologized to one of the clerks for people not putting their things where they belong. And I was like, what? Uh, <laughs> um, but yeah, it's those little things of like, and she has a big grief background as well and a lot of trauma with that as well. So it's, it is fascinating to like watch that and to not – you know, I, I applaud your sponsor must be some kind of rock star to not yeah. let you carry <laughs> the weight of that and take responsibility yeah. for it. Because also oftentimes, I don't know if this was true where you were working, but oftentimes the um, higher ups, the owners will, will attempt to make something your fault. That's not your fault. And I think that was, yeah. what was brilliant about the place I worked last is he was like, yep, yeah, people just show up drunk sometimes. Isn't that weird? We can't accept them. <laughs> and I'd be like, are you mad at me? And he's like, no, why would I be mad at you? You're doing your job. And I was like, this is weird. <laughs> you know? So like, um, you know, I, did you experience any of that? Like sort of blame? No, not, not at all. Actually. 
the owners were were amazing about it with me um they were they were really uh they showed me a side of them that that i'd never seen before. um they were they were kind of tough owners to work with um but they were extremely compassionate you know and it wasn't a side i saw from either of them ever really ever um yeah i don't know how much else it was uh for you dave but for me they were really really kind i mean i uh i can't imagine what it would be like to own a business like that i'll start off by saying that um but i will also say that the circumstances surrounding that person dying I feel like we're preventable. Yes. Very uh, uh, very preventable. And um, it's amazing to me that it got that bad, but things get that bad. When you're trying to commingle yeah. alcohol and drug addiction with mental health, you know, yeah. I mean, because that wasn't the first person that we worked with that had no drug or alcohol issues and they were still there. Like, yeah, people yeah. with mental health issues need a safe place, but I wasn't qualified. Were no, you, I mean, and neither was I. Of, in, in, exactly. No. I think yeah. the only, the, I think one person on our, our staff was qualified in the mental health field. They didn't even work there, did they? If I'm thinking the right person. Yeah. They worked at the Malibu house. Yeah. So, I yeah. mean, but so that's the thing. Um, and I, I'm speaking in generalities because I'm not trying to, to, to start nothing. You know, <laughs> no, no, I, feel I, mean, I would love to, I would love to trust me. We could, yes. I, I'm just, I'm looking inside myself from a place of sobriety and mm -hmm. I can speak in general on the opinion of the treatment industry. Uh, do I believe in rehabs and sober livings? Yes. Do I think yeah. that they fall short most of the time? Absolutely. Mm -hmm. Is there, is there a better way? There's gotta be. Yeah. You know, and I mean, you worked in the field for 10 years, so uh, I'm, I'm I know it's more than me and it's, uh, it's slightly more than John. There were times probably I would guess that it was done right. Yeah. Quote unquote. Mm -hmm. And there was times when it was like, holy shit, what the fuck is going on? Well, I think yeah. any institution <laughs> is, uh, it's the institution themselves, the inter the way that we interact with it is very different. So like there's, um, the institution as an employee always has these glaring faults regardless of where we work. And um, yeah, some places were a little more, um, they had what I used to call a sense of scale. So it's important to know the difference between, and John and I were talking about this, um, a med, a missed med or an incorrect dosage and a, um, and the towels didn't get folded or the trash can didn't come in. You know what I mean? One of those things is a call from one employee to the another being like, Hey girl, you forgot to bring in the trash can. Oh, I'm sorry. Can you write a note for me? I won't do it again. I promise. Or, you know, I'm gonna work on that or whatever. And then the other thing is a very serious problem that the state of California might have to intervene in depending on the consequences of that. So, yep. so knowing a sense of scale is really, really, really important. And, and I think a lot of that has to do with like how defects and or codependency, uh, Al-Anon stuff kind of permeates the back end of the treatment experience. And when I first, the other thing is we don't, we don't talk about transference enough. I, 
I had not had enough growth in my recovery and in my personal life to at four years and 24 years old um, work in that situation. And I probably did some harm because I didn't have a, a handle on my emotional reality. So what I was doing a lot of times was um, I was projecting my emotional experience onto my clients. And that is a really difficult thing to wrap your head around. And once you're aware of it, it almost it's like that. It just stops. It's like defects. You're aware of it and you're like, oh, why would I do that? That's not about me. And I remember thinking early in in my, you know, my working career is like these kids, you know, they have, they don't need all this shit. They just need to go to meetings and suck it up. And over time, as I started to acquire in my life the different things that they were getting. So I started doing yoga. There's a trash truck coming by, of course. Uh, there's, I started doing yoga. I started doing, um, uh, let's wait for it to go by. Beep, beep. Beep, beep. Um, I started to do yoga. I started to do um, therapy. I finally got chased into therapy. And and I remember telling the therapist, like, I'm only going to be here for like six months and I just want to deal with my anger issues and I, I just have having trouble at work and I just want to make sure that this ends. And and then I, um, I started doing things that, you know – exercising regularly, just all the things that we eating, right? Just all the things that rehab kind of forces the client to do all at once at first. I think that's where the value is, is the additional support. It's not just dragging the person to the meeting. It's, it's the additional support that that's really valuable. And I think mostly it's the, it's the therapy experience. I think the therapy stuff, the like, all of those experiences, just getting a place where you feel safe, like that's the value yeah. in it. And um, community, and the community aspect, the community aspect, and and you know, and having somebody there who's not crazy. You know, it's like when we first get clean, we run with our like group of similarly, you mm -hmm. know. Um, uh, clean time people, right? I had this little pod of young people and we ran around and we just made trouble and all old timers <laughs> hated our guts. And, and, um, and the nice thing is that there's an adult present who's like, Hey, you know, we're not going to go to the meeting where all the cute boys are tonight. We're going to go to the meeting with like the 95 year olds that have a gajillion years. Yeah. And we're just going to like, listen to what they have to say, you know, yeah. and, and, <laughs> you know, like, or, when I worked in treatment, I had one girl, this is so funny. It was a hot day and she was laying out by the pool, just drinking Red Bulls the size of my leg and just like, <laughs> la, la, just going hard. And she comes in and she goes, Anna, I think I need my PRN for anxiety. And I was like, oh, <laughs> you think? And she was like, yeah, I was like, just a suggestion. As I'm getting the med, I would never deny a medication. I was just like, just a suggestion. You drink any water today? And she was like, I'm too busy to drink water and i was like you've been laying by a pool how are you too busy to drink water and then she dead in the face goes my mind is too busy to drink water and you're like okay here we go i was just like here take your meds yeah. just i but but there were moments where i would physically take a knee because they would say something so out of pocket where i was just like <laughs> Woo, I've been doing this for too long. Woo. <laughs> I I also had a situation. I got this was bad. I got really written up for this one. This was crazy. I got there was a gal. I was working at a treatment center and there was a gal that um 
she came out in the morning. We had this big bowl of fruit in the middle of the table. And uh, she came out in the morning and it was just her. She didn't know I was watching her. I was kind of on the other side of the house. And uh, she takes her hand and she goes, she scratches her vagina. <laughs> and then she kind of roots around the back end. <laughs> you know, she's going the whole, the full equatorial experience. Oh, you know, okay. she's going right there. She's like, I'm getting a UTI today. Yeah. And then... <laughs> And then she takes her hand, her UTI hand, and she sticks it in the fruit bowl and grabs a piece of fruit. And all of my, like, thousands of years of Latino ancestors came, like, ancestry bubbled up to the surface, just, like, all at one time. And I was like, Cochino! And she goes, she just, she just hears... She's also from a foreign country. She just knows someone yelled at her in a language she doesn't even know what it is. And, and so... So she's looking at me and I'm like, what are you doing? And she goes, I wanted a piece of fruit. I said, you scratched all your junk first and you didn't even wash your hand. I'm like, we all eat out of that fruit bowl. I eat out of that fruit bowl. What are you thinking? And she's just like, uh, and I'm like, I'm like, you can't. Wow, that is gross. And I just, I my lost. Favorite, my favorite is you got written up for this shit. Yes, and I got pulled into the office the next day. And my boss oh, yeah. sits me down and he was like, Anna, we need to talk to you about your, the way you interact with clients. And I was like, <laughs> I was like, what are you talking about? Oh. And he was like, you shamed her. And I was like, oh you're right. You're right. I did shame her. You're right. I lost it. Yeah, I lost it. it. She put her hand on her vagina. You eat that fruit. You eat that fruit, boss. You do too. You've had her vagina fruit. And uh, anyway, um, it's amazing. I wasn't fired every day I worked there. Um, it was crazy. Um, I mean, but that's, that's an insane moment. That is insane. <laughs> On multiple levels, that's insane. It's insane that that happened, oh. but it's also insane. And that's that's part of my problem with some of the, uh, the treatment industry. It's, it's, it's insane to me. Could you have handled it differently? Uh, obviously. But like the fact that you got written up. <laughs> like, what, like the fact that you got written up for someone's coochie fruit oh. is insane to me. Well, I think how I would handle it today, hopefully I would be able to pause, walk over quietly, remembering that this is a traumatized person, walk over quietly and say, I think you need to help me throw out this fruit. And then she would be like, why? And I'd be like, yeah. well, I witnessed a contamination fucking, issue. Just put your fucking slug slime all over. The yeah, you, sl you slug slimed all these cuties and... Yeah. No one can eat these cuties oh. now. I also made her throw the fruit out, but I made her throw the fruit out while I was yelling at her in a combination of English and Spanish that I didn't know I had such a mastery over the language. I, I'm telling you, it was an ancestral response. Like it was, it was something beyond me. It was my father's ghost inhabiting my body. And, um, and we, so I, I would calmly ask her to throw it out. And then I would take her into the office and I would probably download the cdc's guidelines on contamination and hand washing and then i'd and then I'd, i would take i would go over it with her and then i would uh, probably give it to her counselor and say could you please have her write an assignment on this because uh, she's gross <laughs> you know <laughs> a gross person <laughs> we luckily at the end of my uh my career there i was working in all males house and we had the same type of issues with, with guys that 
we had one guy that wouldn't shower and one of his chores was uh, dishes. We had to put the dishes away. And so <laughs> at one point I, I did the same exact type thing uh, with him. And I was like, dude, you've got to wash your hands before you put away the clean dishes. You don't shower. <laughs> <laughs> and yeah, I shamed him about that too. But it was different because it's at a college guy's house, so everybody was just one you know, time. On that's the, again. That is insane. <laughs> that is a level of insanity. And we're gonna get to our second question, which is like, what's the most insane thing you've ever witnessed? But I gotta tell you about this one too. This one's crazy. <laughs> so this is the last place I work, and they had security cameras. In the ten years that I was like working at these places, they went from no security cameras to security cameras in oh, these God. places yeah. yeah and um that's wild uh it, because uh when i first started working um it turns out because we were always male female shifts it turns out several mm. groups of people were just boning all night just like <laughs> in between bed checks nice. which is crazy <laughs> and i'm like how ew also ew like why would you have sex with the person whose job you kind of have to do like that's crazy <laughs> So, so that's on our end. We are not saints. You know what I mean? We no. were, yeah. I, uh, the only thing I ever did was like yoga. They'd be like, what are you doing? I'm like, I need to stay awake. So I'm just going to do pushups and yoga until this happens. And so one, okay. So, so one of the last places I worked, they had, I kept getting sick, like, real like sick like i'm a comedian and, and i keep pre-covid pre-covid i keep getting <laughs> i keep getting not just like a cold i get laryngitis like i can't speak oh man it's so frustrating i'm so sick all the time and i'm just sitting in the office doing my little reports and i look over at the security camera and i watch because the client had come in i heard the door and i watched her walk in and i watched her go up to the refrigerator open the refrigerator door cough violently at the refrigerator and then oh, close the refrigerator and walk <laughs> away <laughs> and i come running out of the office i was like the hell did you just do and she goes she goes oh, i just looked at the refrigerator and i was like no you coughed into the refrigerator you know how everybody in this house including me has been uh, like insanely sick for weeks and she was like what are you talking about and i was like you you can't cough into a refrigerator she goes how is that going to affect anything i was like i don't know that's a temperature controlled area where food is maybe it will preserve the germs it's also gross why would you do that some of those things aren't covered very well why are you like this and so and she was like i didn't cough into the refrigerator she's digging her heels I oh said, god i said come in the office come along office come along <laughs> and so we sit there and i play it back i said look at that look at that you want to do it again let's let's watch it again let's watch it again and she was like okay Anna. like luckily i didn't get written up for that because there was a video there was video <laughs> crazy but that's insane to me why are you arguing about that uh, anyway it's like don't do uh, that that's so gross um that all being said, what is what was one of your most in, I mean, aside from God, you know, the the PTSD of it all, or in, if if that's it, that like, what's the most insane moment you've had? Because you're still getting your you're getting Oof. your KDAC. You're still in school. You're yeah. not leaving. No, I'm good. Yeah, I don't know. Do. Do. But <laughs> you know, uh, my most insane moment. Oh God! So I was didn't have didn't have to think about this very much, but. Um, so when I was getting high, um, there was a point in time where I moved to Canada 
um, to marry this girl and we got married and yada yada. Long story short, um, what her job was before um, I moved up there was she was a stripper in Canada. So I couldn't work and- um, Wait a minute, don't they have those magnetic belts they have to wear because the loonies like fly to the belt? <laughs> This is a kind thing. of well, the, yeah. There's, there's a so the loony thing. She had a a, a magnet on a chain, and so oh. when she was done and she'd walk around the uh, her dance area, the stage, she would just kind of drag this little magnet on the chain and and get all her loonies and tunies and stuff that way. That's so. But yeah, that was that was pretty to cool. Me. And, and she would make so much on when she would go dance. It was crazy. We had this little like machine that would do all her all her change for. Her. She'd probably make two hundred dollars every time she went on stage. It was crazy. Well, but like anyway, do- dollar thirty-five American. <laughs> <Yes>. <laughs> yeah, but that healthcare though. <laughs> oh god, the healthcare is great out there. Oh. Yeah. Anyway, I, I love Canada. By the way, it yeah. was an amazing, amazing country. Amazing. But um, long story short, so we moved there and. Um, this is probably the height of well, this beginning of my meth addiction. Um, so before she went, um, we decided to go dancing, whatever. Um, for the first few weeks beforehand, we'd get a bunch of meth so she could lose some weight because that was her reasoning. And I was just like, yes, but um, <laughs> yes, you need to lose weight. Yes. What? Um, I was very, I was actually very supportive of her. I was, I was very nice, but uh, she didn't need to lose weight. I just was excited no. to get high. But yeah. So we, we, we go to this, we drive to Calgary. We were in Vancouver. And um, so we got really fucking high and we drove all night to Calgary. And the all the strip clubs out there are owned by a biker gang um, for the most part. And um, so we get to this club and I'm, I hadn't done meth in a while. So I start getting paranoid really bad start seeing things that aren't happening um and the first night that we're at this club i'm in the club with her and um i was dealing with some jealousy issues maybe and i'm following her around this club as she talks to people and signs autographs and posters and sells her movies um she was also an adult star at the time um and i'm watching her talk to people everywhere i'm going do this to her you know <laughs> and and i'm I'm being kind of uh, thinking she's trying to hook up with her. We get back to the hotel room that night and I really fucking lose my shit. And I start believing that the Hells Angels are in the hotel room next to us, um, are talking to her through the vents, uh, are jumping. We're on the seventh story or something. They're jumping from her their balcony to our balcony, knocking on the window, jumping back over. All this craziness is going on in my mind. And I start seeing smoke come out from under the front door and I call hotel security. I'm like, uh, there's biker gang trying to kill us next door, blah, blah, blah. Please come up here immediately. Thinking they lit a fire in front of our place. I tell the wife, I'm like, get in the bathtub. You're going to lay in the bathtub. If they're going to come in shooting, they're going to get me and you'll be safe in that metal bathtub. And I get hotel security to come up and I'm explaining it to them. And, and, uh, and then it, I realized, oh my God, I'm fucking hallucinating all this shit. Um, but yeah, it just got worse and worse throughout the rest of the week. And, and we had to leave early. Even <laughs> she had to make up a story saying that, uh, that her dad passed away. So that's why we had to leave to go home. Um, 
because I thought that there was a little door underneath the bed. They're coming in and out of our room. Uh, it was pure fucking insanity. <laughs> I love the excuse that we, as addicts and alcoholics, uh, a go-to is kill off a family member to get out of something. <laughs> Yes, yes. Always. Her dad was a crackhead, so I mean, it was, it was all right. <laughs> I, uh, I got a, and Anna, maybe you could agree or disagree. That's probably one of the most insane stories that we've had on this. It's podcast. a good one. It was very good, very visual, very, yes. uh, very Canadian. Um, yes. Oh man, yeah. I imagine it you was rode... also my birthday weekend too. It was oh, my birthday yes. weekend. <laughs> <laughs> I imagine you all rode a moose uh, to get there. You know what I mean? Like it was very. It was a Jeep Cherokee. <laughs> Which is basically a moose. I don't know if you, I owned, that was my first car. Um, I it get it. It's yeah. it a great little car. <laughs> yeah. There, it's funny enough though, the security guy that came up, he was very polite. You know, he wasn't, didn't freak out. He didn't yell at me. I was very embarrassed every time we went in and out of the hotel room and I had to walk past security. To, you know, but. They're very oh, nice. Amazing. <laughs> That's wild. Yeah, it, was, it was crazy. I, I feel, uh, yeah, I still feel terrible. About it, well, I mean, you can, I, I, that strikes me as a living amends situation and we'll get to the amends questions, but it's just one of those things where it's like, at some point, everyone was a willing participant in that situation. Sure. Very true. You I know what I mean? It all really. Too bad. I mean, I did yeah. chase around you. Know. You were doing, <laughs> yeah, just, doing this in the strip club, you know. <laughs> you were being you were being meth intense. You were doing he, yeah, he's, was, what he's doing is eyes uh, on you hand gesture. Yeah. It's the like yeah. my eyes <laughs> on you on you. <laughs> I see you. Awful. I see you. <laughs> just so you know. Um yeah. that's wild. That is wild. I like <laughs> Was that close to the decision you had to like get clean or was that? No, no, that was, that was um, probably seven years before I got clean. Yeah. Wow. But all the crazy, like when you do a bunch of math, um, at least in my personal experience, the craziness that you see uh, in media and stuff, um, people going nuts and doing weird shit. That's like the first year of doing that. And then that goes away. Yeah. At least that's how it was for me. And then it you just became push past the uncomfortable you know? part. And then you yes. get to really thoroughly enjoy <laughs> the math. Yes. <laughs> <laughs> exactly. Exactly. Dog, what do you do? Come here. Come here. My so how would you say you make decisions today based on your experiences pre getting clean and post getting clean and working in treatment centers? Like how do you make decisions today, John? Um most of my decisions my big decisions are i'm kind of ridiculous about big decisions um i try my best to run by most of my big decisions by my sponsor brothers or and my sponsor um but like say with buying a call um that type of decision i'm, I'm really ridiculous we were talking about um buying ear pods and stuff just recently um yeah just even doing something little like that takes me a good few weeks before I'll actually do it. It's, it's weird. It's, it, and I think that you, you were saying how, um, Anna, you were saying something about that you don't deserve it or something. And yeah. it, it's, it's tough. That's, that's something that like, I'm like, I don't deserve $30 earpods. What the fuck? You know, it's like, it's <laughs> stupid, but, but yeah. I really, it took me about a month to buy these. 
of thinking about it, you know, and uh, it's stupid. Um, other little things, though, I'm still very impulsive. Um, yeah. Like, very impulsive about some things. But for the big, big purchases, I'm, I'm very slow. Very slow and, and I think about it for a long time. So I don't want to fuck up. Yeah. Know? Yeah. And I, I used to get this thing called last meal ever syndrome. That's what I would call it. I was always like, I could never figure out what I was going to order at a restaurant because what if I was struck by lightning and died and it was the last <laughs> meal I ever had, or it was like the last opportunity I'd ever have to eat out in my life. I don't know what I was yeah. thinking. It was so crazy. <laughs> That's why that question is there. Cause I was like, decision-making for me was so difficult. And it was such a symptom of like a lack of faith or at least a lack of because I always tell people when I'm working a third step with them I'm like it's really just a decision it's that's all it is it's just just a decision to think that like maybe something else outside of you uh is knows a little bit better than you that's it it's just it's but it can if if you don't make that decision it can affect all the decision making throughout your life whether it's relationships job related purchases small purchases i've been looking at headphones for months i still have (laughs) i still have a pair of refurbished uh both headphones in my woot cart right now just in case just in case i want to bite the bullet and have like the the good ones you know what i mean but of course refurbished because who are we we're not that fancy come on You know, like I fully understand that. Yeah, yeah. It's one of those things is where like and I think too how the disease affects our like decision making is that we are really good at stretching a buck because we gotta stretch that buck to make sure we can still get high. So we tend to be the kind of people like like I remember when I got all this audio equipment. Uh, my friend was just like, yeah, you can get like an $80 microphone or you can get these $30 ones. They sound about the same. Just make sure to always throw a little windscreen over it and you'll never tell the difference really. And um, and so it's like those little things of like, yeah, I guess I could get the best thing or I could like get the the thing that I probably deserve. And then yeah. something really weird happened. I dated somebody who used to say, cry once when you buy it, not twice when it breaks. Mm. And I was like huh, (laughs) you mean I can just get a thing that works and not the thing I think I deserve? And he's like, yeah. And I'm like, that's weird. (laughs) But yeah, it's like decision-making is such a, it's such a hard thing for us as people, you know, like. And the purchases are good examples, but also it's just like, you know, the fact that you run decisions, any decision by sponsee brothers and a sponsor i mean i think that's the difference you know over time there's been certain things that i don't need a counsel to make a decision yeah sure but there still is a bunch of stuff like if i gotta work or change jobs or you know just anything in general that is actually like life affecting Mm-hmm. Like it always goes through my channel of people. Anna's one of those people, my sponsor. I got a buddy of mine who's got 45 years. It's just yeah. like, so I, I run the stuff through them. I run yeah. the decision on how do I react to being slighted through people. Those yeah. are the decisions I need help with because otherwise I, I am afraid, and this is something I've been working on. It's like, I'm afraid I'll, ex- I'll fucking explode. And I don't like yeah. making amends. <laughs> So then I won't say anything 
And so it's like, <laughs> that's what I'm working on today is like, how do I speak up for myself without exploding or without that feeling in my gut that I'm going to explode and not saying anything, you know, which yeah. then formulates resentments and stomach cancer. And you know what I'm saying? It's just, that's, that's what I'm working on today is how do I make the decision when to stand up for myself and how do I make the decision mm. when to stay quiet, you know? Ooh. And I'll often, like I said, I'll stay quiet just because I'm afraid of make, having to make an amends to someone, which is not healthy mm. either. Like it's, you know, like I have the same issue. Yeah. <laughs> my, my issue is of being afraid to make the amends. It's the embarrassment that yeah. I have no, for no, blowing right. up on somebody. Yeah. yeah. That's, the, that's the part like, yeah, the like um, mm -hmm. the place that we worked at together, there was a client there once that, um, he knew that there was no fraternization between the <laughs> women and the men. And one of the girls came from the Malibu house and she was hanging out and they were talking. And, you know, next thing you know, he's asking her out to dinner and, and this and that, and he's asking for a phone number. And I blew up in the middle of the family room with, in front of everybody, you know, at this kid. And uh, that was one of those times where I just, I don't like it when I get to that point. You know? he yeah, it's, it's and, and I think the fear of experiencing anger, uh, which is, I mean, obviously, anger is usually a combination of hurt and frustration. This much we know. It's, it's a secondary emotion. It's not a primary emotion. But it is something that, number one, our disease will make us funnel all of our feelings through because it's easier to experience anger. You get a little high. You get a little dopamine rush. You get that serotonin. <laughs> you get to feel self-righteous. Like, I think I get prettier. Like, it's like you get to like, you get to like be a little bit a super version of yourself in a state of anger. And um, my, I was a really angry person for many, many years of my life. Yeah. And, um, and then I started to, I would, I, I started to do this thing where I wanted nobody to see how angry I was. So I would try to create a air of calm that was not there, <laughs> if yeah. that makes any sense. <laughs> and, um, and so, uh, it's like a real, um, it's a real strange thing of being like, I have you know, this, this deep seated anger, I don't know what to do with it. It's popping out my neck sideways, like every two <laughs> seconds, like, like 10 pounds of shit in an eight pound can, you know what I mean? Just like coming out left and right. And I would experience deep shame because I was trying to hide my anger. Mm -hmm. And then what I realized is that there's a reason why we do all of our defects, all of our stuff. And we'll get to those defect questions. All of our Ooh. defects are like, <laughs> a reason like the reason why we have them is that they they do there is an asset quality to those things right yeah. and i mean up until very recently i got to a point where i was able to experience i'm able to look at somebody and be like hey this thing that you're doing is not okay with me i don't like it and to say it in real time not to stew on it not to invent this court case against this person and then go around and talk about them behind their back to 85 different people and you know all of the defects that come along with just not dealing with how i feel in the moment it's those little moments of where i can sit with the anger in the moment and not internalize it not carry it with me not put it into my volcano of shame now i'm i'm just learning that and what's really fascinating is hello there 
This is Nicole Yates, host of the DigiE Podcast. Join me each Thursday as I talk to all sorts of interesting people from all over the place about food and life. Because really, isn't that all that matters anyway? That's every Thursday on the DigiE Podcast. Available everywhere you get your podcasts. And hey, did you eat? I can see other people who struggle with anger in the way that I do. I can see them struggling. And I trust that they're going to get there. I don't have to fix it. I can just be like, I get it. It's hard. It's hard to be angry because it's just... It's because we don't know where to file our responsibility. It gets back to what Dave said at the beginning of the pod. We don't know where to file our responsibility. And so we feel responsible for a lot of stuff in that situation. It's, and it's easier, by the way, it's much easier when it comes to anger and in terms of anger. It is much easier to say, I'm 100% responsible. Please forgive me. And now, and now it's gone. Now you don't have to worry about it. But rather than dealing with the uncomfortable truth that every conflict has another player, and that um, that person might not come to a state of accountability in the timeline that is comfortable for you. Therefore, you have a choice of either taking responsibility for the entire situation or no. And uh, it's anyway, that's my that's my whole thing with that. But it requires a tremendous amount of self-appraisal and self-knowledge. Oh, my God. Now the dogs are barking. What is um, at least your dogs are quiet. Mine's just going nuts over here. <laughs> I cannot hear your dog. We've got. Oh. Oh my God, ladies and gentlemen, <laughs> a little brindle, white face pit bull, looking like a bulldog mix, just all smoosh yep. face, probably farts 85 times a day. Beautiful. She does not fart at all. She's not a farter. I'm, a little, I'm very disappointed. Yes, very disappointed. You're going to have to. You're gonna have to fart for her. That's the important I do, part. I do. I do. So, what's your what, what is your uh, most surprising thing you've learned about yourself so far in recovery? Oh. Uh, I was looking at my step work earlier. I want to go grab it. <laughs> One second. <laughs> um, I'm back. Oh, shit. And I dropped it. Oh, God. The most surprising thing I learned about myself. Hmm. I like how prepared John was. John did some writing in response to the questions. <laughs> I, I love know, the composition I, book, too. That's the universal yeah, that's my, book my of recovery. Mm -hmm. Yeah, the black <laughs> yes. and white speckled, wide ruled composition yeah. notebook. Well, I, for Christmas, somebody <laughs> gave me they gave me a uh, a really nice um, journal, and I was like, "Oh, thank you!" And I started writing my jokes in it, and they were like, "Aren't you going to write your step work in that?" And I was like, <laughs> "It's a nice book. You don't write step work in a nice book. You write step work in a ninety nine cent store comp book because yes. you gonna trap. Yes. You're gonna trash that thing by the time you actually read the step. It's covered in it's covered in uh, coffee and food, and um, it's wrinkled and sad and tears. Yes, you know you don't buy a nice notebook for your step work. You buy the you buy Lots a functional notebook that you don't care about. So what you got in that book, John? What's the most important oh. thing you've learned about yourself? Jeez, most surprising thing. Well, I think this is going to cover a different question, though. Um, okay. But um, kind of when I was going through um, my last eighth step, um, when I finished it, my, my sponsor had me write down um, all of my... my uh, he wanted me to, to correlate all of my, my list of people with uh, what shortcoming was. And yeah. uh, to see it's the, uh, the question so in the 
Yeah. <laughs> it's the it's, question it's so in the step working guide where it says, um, do I see a theme in yes, my yes. in my defects? Yeah. I love this. I love this. This is so great. <laughs> <laughs> um, but yeah, it, it was it was surprising that um, a lot of my things come down to my manipulation and low self-esteem, mm-hmm. you know, um, I'd say most of these things are low self-esteem and manipulation. And I would bet it's not like overt manipulation. Like "Eh, I'm gonna, I'm gonna get, it's not like you're trying to pull it over oceans 11 on somebody. You're just trying to say you're trying to avoid some discomfort. Yes. Yes. Like, uh, let me look at, let me see one of these now. Um, I, I think when anybody, when you do step work in general, there is a lot of surprises. Yes, but then a there's, lot of there's relief because you're like, oh, that's why I'm the way I am. Yeah, that's why I was dishonest <laughs> or whatever, you know. Um, but yeah, definitely. Like uh, here is a perfect example of of me being manipulative. Uh, I had an ex girlfriend that was coming to visit, and I told her beforehand uh, that we were not going to be in a relationship when she came and visited. But I knew that we basically were, you know, I just wanted her to come anyways. And, and uh, yeah, that's being manipulated. You know? It's not evil manipulated, but not Yo, being really honest this, about how but I feel. But that's also like, that's also, I have, I have an issue with like using people to fill the God-sized hole in me. Yeah. Where it's like, I'm, I, I want your company, but I don't want your company. I need you to <laughs> But yes. don't look at me while you're here. You know, it's like it's 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 fucking <laughs> insane. And, and I've worked on yeah. it over the years, but that, and yeah, that is proof that there's a lid for every pot. I had a sponsor once tell me that her the catnip, the uh, the thing that she loves the most, and you know the, her the way her disease that manifests itself now is somebody who will say, who will push them away and say, but why don't you love me enough? Like that is her, like, that is her kryptonite. If somebody who's like, love me, get away from me, love me, get away from me. That's like, that's like, that's definitely, uh, it's definitely a trope. I get it. Yeah. I get it. Yeah. <laughs> it's wild. I love that you brought out a composition notebook. I was like, is he going like, to up right now? This is crazy. Oh, yeah. I'll start reading them all up. <laughs> if, if, sh- if you weren't sure if a guest is being honest, just wait till they pull out their step workbook during the podcast. <laughs> I, I think that's a first. Yeah. Uh, I would, really? For really? me, at oh. least. Oh, absolutely. <laughs> and, absolutely. And I appreciate the honesty. And that's our next question. John, how oh, honest man. are you with yourself and others? <sighs> Too honest. Um, but, you know, I mean, I, I keep a few things to myself, like very minimal, but like, um, yeah, I'm too honest. Secrets don't come to me with any secrets unless it's something real personal. Then I'll keep that to myself. But if it's something about somebody else, nah, don't do it because I will tell you then that I'm going to go tell this person. <laughs> I, I'm, you know, I'm, yeah, I'm I'm horrible with that stuff. But uh, but is I'm, it because I'm you're bad honest. at keeping a secret, or is it? <laughs> No, I just don't like them. I, I hate you don't want the You don't want the burden of secrets. No, I don't. I don't want the burden of secrets. Um, and most people luckily know that about the, okay. I mean, if it's personal, it's, it's, yeah, it's safe. 
you know, sure. but yeah, like if it's recovery shit, like like yeah, a fourth step or a fifth step. Yeah, but, of course, yeah. of course, yeah. very safe. But um, but yeah, any other thing? Like, here's a a probably way too private thing to put on a podcast, but I don't give a fuck. Um, my Instagram name is DD John Six Six Six. That stands for Dirty Dick John, because I worked in the adult industry for a long time, and I have a dirty dick. And I tell everybody about it. <laughs> I have purpose and I don't give a fuck. <laughs> you know, I, I'm honest about everything. That's why I love you, John. I, 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 knew, I knew the dirty dick John was going to come out eventually. I was just like, I wasn't going to pull it out during the podcast. I was going to pull out your dirty dick during the podcast. I was hey, going to let you. That's cool. It's been everywhere. <laughs> this is amazing. I'm so glad you guys whipped that out. Um, I... Uh, and also, you know what's really funny is there's all this like shame over STDs, but basically like every uh, everybody, yeah, whether they know it or not, everybody in my everybody in me and Dave's age group has HPV for sure. Like like oh, we sure. we weren't there for the vaccine. I got the vaccine later what's, in life. What's up the vaccine? That's not fair. Not yeah. fair. I wish I had that vaccine. <laughs> yeah, yeah. I got the vaccine, but it was they were like, You're a bit too old. And I was like, just give it to me anyway. And um, <laughs> I just like badgered the Planned Parenthood until I got it. And then um, and then the what what people don't know about herpes is that probably most people have it. It's just yeah. not everybody's symptomatic. And so yeah. that's that's another thing. And I, I I got that on the Dan Savage podcast, the Savage Love <laughs> podcast. It was like, stop demonizing people with herpes because literally everybody has it. And yeah. no one talks about it. you get a cold sore in your mouth, most people get cold sores. Yeah. Yeah. Some people yeah. don't. It's within it's within your body somewhere. So like yeah. just chill about that. And yeah, um and that's the only way to get past it is to to own your situation and just mm -hmm. be open about it because there's so much shame attached to just sex in general yeah. in America. And not only that, it's just like sex and recovery, you know, and 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 it's it's one of those things where, uh, I mean, in, in one of the books, it's just talks about, you know, um, and I think it's, it's, I think it's even on page 69, which is hilarious. Uh, hey. it's, it's just like nice. some people would have no s salt for their fare and some would have you on a straight pepper diet. So it's just like, even in one of the recovery books, it's like, we don't know what to say in regards of sex. All we're hoping is that we're trying to formulate new ideas so that we don't use people anymore and that we don't operate the way we used to operate, which is yes. really self-serving and self-seeking. Yeah. But I feel like being honest about one sexual past is part of re reimagining and reevaluating what that looks like for us as as adults in recovery and i think it's super important yeah there was a weird phase where i had a therapist tell me like you got to learn how to have a one night stand just because somebody sees your boobs one time they don't get five years of your life and i was like what that's weird yeah, I feel you there. <laughs> yeah, it's yeah. it's crazy. We we get so like we do get so hung up. I always um you know, it's like you know, you make somebody your higher power, you make the relationship your drug of choice. And that's what I was con like I, I can't we can't tell people not to do things like getting into relationships or getting those rehab goggles or whatever, but maybe it's a bad idea. I'm always like <laughs> 
listen, I made this mistake for six years, but maybe it's a bad <laughs> idea. I'm just saying like it maybe maybe you could do better than me. I'm hoping you could do better than me. Like it's I you know, it's like chill, buddy. Like, but it's um it can be very difficult. It can be very difficult because yeah. we just want to be loved. Oh, People just yeah. want to be loved. They want it. And they think that like they're going to get that self-love and self-acceptance externally. And it's just not possible. Yeah. It's just not possible. Mm -hmm. And sex and love are not always the same thing. No, and being honest about sex and love too comes with a shitload of anxiety, especially yes. when yeah. you're not hiding your past from someone anymore. Yes. Yeah. Like, so, uh, you know, the degree of honesty for me sometimes comes along with anxiety because it's just like I spent so long not being honest that when mm -hmm. I finally do become honest, there's a there's a big fucking cup of anxiety that goes along with it. Uh, John, how do you experience an anxiety in your life? Oh, geez. Um, anxiety for me has been, I, I have a lot of anxiety. Well, I don't know what you'd call it. Um, like, I get anxiety about weird things. Like, this is something I would normally have massive amounts of anxiety about. Um, and I did uh, two nights ago. I, I was freaking out about it a little bit. I couldn't sleep. You know, um, I kept thinking about things over in my head. Um, birthdays, whenever, I'm like, I hate that birthdays whenever i have an anniversary um like my eight year that i just recently had um hell yeah Woo. it was ooh, it, fuck i had so much anxiety about it that i even you know my second cake on zoom so it wasn't so bad but i even wrote down what i was gonna say you know like but but usually right before an anniversary i'll have like three months of just gnarly anxiety um yeah. but for the most part you know that's the only thing that gives me anxiety, you know, and maybe this whole job situation. I just recently lost my job. So. Yeah. Being in between um, jobs is definitely anxiety inducing mm -hmm. in, yeah. in California. <laughs> dating. I get, I get uh, anxiety about dating too, but you know, but I try and have, I try and wear all that shit that I have anxiety about on my shoulder, you know, before I, I meet somebody. So, yeah, you know, like, yeah. Working well, in porn is, is, for eight years is, is something that most women that are normal don't really like. <laughs> well, it gives girls anxiety. Well, it's also, that's the same on, on the uh, female's end. Like I know a lot of yeah. dudes, I used to be a DJ at a strip club in central Illinois, you know, and a lot of women that worked that are sex workers, you know, uh, get shamed and are treated terribly by men, you know? Yeah. So yeah. it's, it's, it's one of those, it's one of those industries and I'm going to, I'm not saying that women don't get it any worse than men or vice versa, but there, there's a level of non-acceptance in something that behind closed doors, everybody, okay, 95% of America participates in like even, yeah. even the Mormons in Utah, like I think Utah has like <laughs> the highest rate of like Pornhub streams Pornhub. <laughs> and they're supposed to not watch any of that shit. So it's just like, it's such a funny thing to yeah. shame someone for that industry when it's an industry that it's, behind closed doors, 95% of the population takes part in. I, yeah. I just learned about in school that the through line that like makes police violence happen. It makes men's health um, worse than men, than women's um, is this concept called masculinity threat. 
So mm. anything that threatens one's masculinity will predispose them to like bigotry, racism, and um, and uh, 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 violence. And so masculinity threat, how it expresses itself is like, if you feel degraded by a woman, let's say a woman in a position of power, and you happen to be a police officer, in this case, the study was Las Vegas, you're more likely to perpetrate violence against African Americans. It's the weirdest thing. And so I imagine when it comes to the sex industry, it has something to do, and this is just, I mean, correlation is not causation, but I, I imagine that it has something to do with the masculinity threat and it works in both ways because women experience it as well. So like I, so let's say a woman is, you know, you're dating somebody and she finds out about your past. It's more of what her association to you is going to look like in the, in terms of how she falls in the patriarchal system. So like mm -hmm. patriarchy says that women need to be like pure and chaste and we aren't um, <laughs> worse than men most of the time. Who wants one of those? You know? Yeah, who wants one of those? <laughs> Just like, what? Just get a pillow with a waifu on it. I don't know, like, that's weird. So like, um, so it's this whole thing of like, women will internalize the same pressure by um by doing this thing where they're like, well, what will the male Christian patriarchal society think of me and who I associate with? So that's that's and how men experience it is like it's it must be fascinating because dudes are probably like, oh, you did? Oh, that's fucking red, man. You know what I mean? But like yeah. it's so so there's always um in a in the system that we have currently there's a price to be paid at every there's a toll to be paid at every step of a person's experience in terms of masculinity threat and that's when they mean when they're like toxic masculinity and you know the reverse of that is cancel culture it's like the whole thing is just shame-based lunacy that needs to like be yeah. deconstructed we need to transcend that and how we do that i don't know but like no <laughs> it, but it does but they can they actually do have like they do have studies, statistical studies that link this particular amount of threat that men experience back to um, all sorts of behaviors and even to the point where they won't go see the doctor. You know yeah, what I mean? Men are stupid. We are not men, not men. I, again, stupid. Yeah, I, I but men are stupid. <laughs> I realized I was like, I was, I was doing karate yesterday and I was working with this gal that I had worked with because we're all vaccinated. It was like three of us. It was like us and our sensei. And yeah. Yeah. And he, and, and she was like, I don't want to spar you ever again. You're so scary. And I was like, listen, I am not 24 anymore. And, um, I'm also like, I was just a little girl who was like chock full of toxic masculinity. I don't know how to explain it, but I was trying to be the biggest, baddest dick in the room. And, um, that's not where I am anymore. And my sensei just started laughing. He was like toxic masculine. What are you talking about? And I was like, no, like there's, that's a real thing. Women can take that on. Yeah. And like, I definitely took it on and um, not for anything that they did. I was going to do it no matter what, if I was knitting, I would have brought it into knitting, you know, like <laughs> You're I a was, knitter? no, I don't know how to, okay. knit. <laughs> I don't, I, I, I look at those ladies at the meetings that are just like, you know, knitting scarves Mess. for, Every one of them was a meth person. I'm telling you. <laughs> ah, that makes sense. If you sense. see a knitter in a meeting, she was a meth head. Meth head. I love yes. it. I love it. 
Like that's my girl, right? There. That's amazing. <laughs> that's amazing. So like, okay. So what is, you know, fear and anxiety for me is like the driver of that is the engine of all of my character defects because my character defects mm. are all there to protect me poorly, yeah. but they're all there to protect yeah. me in general in some way. Um, so what, uh, what, uh, defects are you still working on today? You kind of mentioned like, mm. um, you'd mentioned like anger and people pleasing and all that kind of stuff. Like what, what defects are you working um, on the most today? Back to my book. Oh, oh my God. <laughs> Ladies and gentlemen, um, if you pull out an easel, out. Yeah. he pulls out an easel, uh, red string, you so, know what I mean? Right, right here. <laughs> now, um, one of the ones that I work on a lot, uh, I, I, I try to not, like, I've been trying to not gossip about people. Um, mm. I, I love gossiping about people. Especially um, if it's true. And, In Spanish, that's yeah. chisme. Chisme isn't just gossip, <laughs> it's true. You know what I mean? Uh, hey, hey, I, yes. <laughs> but um, I've, I've worked on that one a lot. I don't do it nearly as much as I used to. I used to be, I used to love to just talk about people behind the back. And uh, that's something that I, I, I fear. I, I hugely fear about people talking bad about me behind my back. So um, I work on that a lot. Um, I, tr I try to be as honest as possible. Uh, um, I try to not be self-righteous. Um, been working on my low self-esteem a lot. Um, and guilt. Those are all my things that I, I try to work on. The guilt is it guilt or is it shame? Because guilt is uh, I guilt is yeah. I did um, something bad, and shame is I am bad. True. True. Um, I'd probably say it's probably more shame than than. Uh, yeah, definitely. Yeah, yeah. I, I am bad. I don't do much bad stuff. Line. Yeah, I don't do the bad stuff. But yeah. could, if you if you could hear the inside of my brain, you would think I was doing all the bad stuff all the time. Yeah. <laughs> but I have to commend you. I mean, and, and both of us, really. I mean, we talked about some heavy shit up top about where we used to work, and we did a pretty good job of keeping it yeah. close to the chest. And I think it's important, yeah. you know. <laughs> You know, because it's just like, I don't, I don't need any trouble for this and who knows who's going to listen to it, but it's a very real thing that happens. So it's like, yeah, it does. You know, give, we experience it in the comedy world where it's just like, it's our working world and there's a lot of difficult people in it. And so it feels really good sometimes to talk shit about someone who's done us dirty or someone that we don't <laughs> like or don't think is funny. And it, <laughs> I think honestly, the through line between working in recovery and working as a stand-up comedian is not as dissimilar as one would think. Oh, it's exactly this. Every Everything leads up to something. When I first started working in stand-up, or when I first started doing stand-up and working in it, I had worked in treatment for 10 years. And some of that time, I had also worked with people with autism. So I was ready to be around comedians. Because <laughs> that is a 12-step meeting with no steps. That's all yeah. it is. It's just a 12-step <laughs> meeting with no steps. And a lot of people with like developmental disabilities that have gone unaddressed. <laughs> it's like, a, it's like a real, it's a real shit show. <laughs> and most of the time for me, it's just thoughts. Like now my defects occur between my ears rather than me engaging on them. And I have to work on forgiving myself for even having the thoughts, you know, like if I could get, if I could get put on trial for my thoughts, I'd be, I'd be in jail for life. But I have to forgive myself for the thoughts that I have because they're just thoughts. And, you know, the fact that I don't act on them today is, is progress. Uh, John, 
how do you experience forgiveness? Oh, I think that was one that I skipped over kind of. <laughs> <laughs> um, forgiveness. Um, I guess I mainly experience forgiveness when I'm forgiving myself or, or other people for things that I think that they did to me, you know, um, I'm a very forgiving person. Um, I don't know, which, which is probably also maybe a uh, character defect now that I think about it, because I, I forgive people way too easy. Um, Do you forgive yourself? No, not usually. Mm-hmm. <laughs> I'm working on it. I mean, but um, yeah, that's probably part of my anxiety, I would say, uh, mm-hmm. yeah. is that, you know, that I'm, I don't forgive myself about a lot of things. And, you know, I, I have a little... You know, some people put little sticky notes on their mirror. I have sure. one sticky note on my mirror, and it says, uh, "Have compassion for yourself." Yeah, uh, I'm a very compassionate person, and and I don't have compassion for myself a lot. Um, yep. But that little sticky note can help me. I think about it every day when I look at myself in the mirror. <laughs> when yeah. I put on my beard cream, my my little my little goatee I got going on. <laughs> that's some yeah, that's some self care. Just getting people to yeah. like take care of their skin, like just doing nice things for themselves. I'm telling you, I feel like I spend my entire, like I've spent the last five to 10 years chasing people around with a bottle of water and a bottle of lotion, just being like, be good to yourself. (laughs) Forgive yourself for five minutes so you can like hydrate your skin and your insides, your organs, everything's (laughs) suffering. Please forgive yourself for five seconds. Most of the stuff you can't forgive yourself for is not even your fault. <laughs> like, <laughs> yeah, sure. chill. All right. I imagine you've had some very interesting amends oh, in man. your life I that you have both given and gotten. <laughs> what is the weirdest I, amends that you've either given or gotten? Ooh, weirdest? Uh, or surprising. Surprising. Oh, God, this is a long one. So back when I did... Uh, my steps with uh, a different sponsor a long time ago. Um, I had one amends that I had to make to a girl in junior high school that I thought I terrorized. Um, And so the whole story is this, that uh, my parents found out that I had smoked pot and taken acid once. And uh, so they thought that it would be my best interest at 12 years old to send me off to a not a rehab, but it was like um, the lockdown facility that was for uh, like uh, mental health. Thing. Oh, so I'm 13, like a, like a scared, uh, 12 or 13 kind of situation. I was basically a mental hospital, but yeah, next I've to, heard of these like things. They were attached to to a um, it was a, a adolescent mental hospital in mm-hmm. uh, Fort Wayne. Oh um, Jesus! Yeah, and it was, it was attached to an addiction side, and then there was the mental health side, and. Um, so my parents sent me off to this thing and I was there for like six months. And at the time I was in junior high school, a popular kid. Um, and, but I was also kind of, was, I was a little angry at that point in my life. I was a little bit of a bully. And somehow a rumor had started that, that I tried to kill somebody. And that's why I got sent off to this thing. Whoa. And, and when I got out, I, didn't really stop any of those rumors and I just kind of let it go and, and even kind of embellished on it a little bit. You said and, you were 12, 12 or 13, right? Yeah. I think it was 
I think I was 13 or something then, uh, maybe 12. I don't know. I was young. I was seventh and eighth grade area. Um, and so this girl was my neighbor and people said that I tried to kill this girl and that that's why I went off to this thing. And I just let it go. You know, I didn't stop it, nothing. And years and years later, I, I wanted to make this amends to her about it, thinking that this was probably something that really affected her life, you know? And, uh, and I was really horrified that I, I didn't say that I, I didn't try to do that, you know? And, and, uh, and so I, I gave her this whole long spiel and, and she was just like, what are you talking about? I barely even remember that. It was not even a big deal. And it was huge to me. Right. And, and, uh, and she was just like, Oh, why don't you come over for dinner next week? Well, <laughs> meet my it was husband. something, yeah, it you was know? something your disease used as evidence as to why you're a bad person and should continue to yeah. use because you're, you're beyond. Yeah. Exactly. Yeah. And, uh, that just blew my mind that, that she was just, I mean, I get, I get it now. Did you, you know? go to dinner? Did you go hang with her? And her husband? No, no, never, never, never did that. <laughs> I, I would like to though. Um, this is the first girl I ever kissed in life, you know, so in kindergarten, let's go Jenny. Um, but yeah, it was, it was uh, very scary for me to, to have to say, apologize and, and, and everything for It, it is always very surprising to find out what our addict and alcoholic brains cling to as the rhyme and the reason for why, who we are. And then yeah. at the end of the day, people don't care. Right. No, they don't. The people uh, that were I, people, some people give a shit about the amends and the hurt yeah. we cause, but like it's the perceived hurt. Some yes, is only exactly. in our brains, and that's always surprising. Yeah, to me that this if this had happened to me, I would have been scared to death. I would have, you know, like that's the way I I think about it. Like that, I'm much bigger deal than I really am. You know? um, there's one amends that I need to make soon that. Uh, I'm not at that point in my NA steps, though. Uh, but hey. I will be next week. Next week. Ooh, you're <laughs> uh, yeah. going to write some scripts and put them oh, on yeah. eight by <laughs> ten cards. Yeah, it's going to be, or like those little, like four by six, you're going to put them on little cards. Or maybe not. From that area that I still have to do. That's, that's the one, one that I'm not looking forward to. But I hope that, uh, should go smoothly we are friends on instagram so me and this one guy that i tormented i mean uh, the hardest amends i ever made to my that i ever made was um <coughs> you have to the last time i went through the steps my sponsor was like has it occurred to you that you have to forgive everyone you can't ask for forgiveness without forgiving and i went through a process <laughs> of forgiving everyone and then i was like this is hell this is really hard the the swamp i had to go through the swamp of re-experiencing those emotions and accepting who that person was and who i was in that moment and um and she said cool she goes so have you like forgiven you and i was like don't do this let's not do the <laughs> let's not do the like tv movie version of this and she was like no really have you forgiven you and i was like no and she was like you got to do that and um that was like one of the biggest god it took two or three times through the steps to get there but it was one of the biggest spiritual awakenings i've ever had so i'm yeah. very excited for you on this step this is 
it's the it's the it's the you know jump off the cliff step because you don't have control over how other people receive your amends you don't even have control over sometimes how you can receive it in yourself but um it is it's a beautiful thing and i'm really proud of you and happy for that that's really cool thank you <laughs> a little I nervous love. but it's not too bad though since i did it once before i i only have 20 that are on my list now that's not bad no. Most of those are living events anyway. You know what I mean? Like exactly, most of that. Exactly. Yeah. Most of that's just like, don't steal or like, you know, yeah. like donate to something for I, some time. I only stole one thing in my using. And that's a big one. That I'm going to have to talk to my mom about. I stole something of hers. Oh, yeah. It's going to be fine. Really, really tough. I, I stole her, um, her banjo. Uh, that was her dad's banjo. Oh, and yeah. Uh, and and I sold banjo it for is one of those instruments that you just have to laugh when you hear the name banjo. I'm not trying to minimize this. <laughs> I sold it for uh, thirty five hundred dollars. Whoa! Yeah, it was a very rare yeah. banjo. Yeah, it's from uh, I think it was 1905 or something like that. Fuck. Yeah. Your sponsor. I it on other drug dealers. I was like, oh, drug people must have stole it. Because people did break into my parents' house and steal a bunch of stuff. Sure. I just kind of pushed it into there. But, well, they must have stole that too with your silverware, you know? <laughs> yeah. Mm. Uh, well, it, it, your sponsor will help you get through yeah. what is to injure them or others. You know what exactly, I mean? Exactly. Exactly. Yeah. I might not have to do it. <laughs> well, but I'm willing to, though, you know? Yeah. I'm willing to whatever he tells me to do. It might, it might be a combination of things. It might be something yeah. along the lines of like, you need to tell your mom about it and then you need yeah. to make a donation in her name to a, an association that gives children, Banjos. you know, access to <laughs> instruments, you know, at yeah. the tune of $3,500, you know what I mean? Yeah. Like that's, that's one way to deal with that. Like, but even I've, considering that as spiritual, you know? Yeah. yeah. True, true. Yeah. I'm ready. I'm ready to do it. You got this. So what is like your... <laughs> What is your um, day-to-day spiritual practice right now? Because uh, I know you've had like a steps change. You've you changed programs. You've changed kind of the flavor in which all the 12 steps are kind of the same, but you've changed, you've changed yeah. from, you know, uh, Pepsi to Cola or Cola to Pepsi. You know what I mean? Yes. So like. From, uh, Pepsi to Cola. Pe- ooh, <laughs> ooh, shade. Um, and. Uh, I. I- I'm, I can't say how much more I love MX Step Working God. It's, it's fucking such a light and day difference for me. But, uh, mm. I love it. Sorry. <laughs> yeah, no, I mean, I think that there's like, all the steps are good and valid. I always tell people, I'm like, you know, you're going to work the steps with me. You're going to do a lot of writing. You're going to do writing like you didn't know you could do. And, um, and I, I think that there is, there's especially the way the step working guide is written is very um hey dummy did you get it it's very like there are some areas where the the questions have repeated themselves there's like five different versions of one kind of question and each step where it's like no we really need you to get this like we were like did you get it I have a lot of very sarcastic answers in my uh, Yes. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. I, yeah. You get through it, it. The first time through the steps, everything's answered. So earnestly. And then the second time it's like, you've asked me this question five times. How dare you ask me again? Um, 
but it is um it is a different way of and and I've had experiences where I've been on like spiritual retreats and we've done like different flavors. They made everybody do a a style of four step from like a different fellowship that they're in, which was really fun. Yeah. And so I've had different flavors and experiences and um and but when something you know works for you in that moment that's really thorough, I, it's probably how thorough everything is, you know, yeah. that's probably appealing. Yeah. When uh, um when I was working at uh sober living some kids would go and they'd do an aa like step working book and it was very comparable you know yeah and, the hazelton uh, one I, yeah mm -hmm. i don't remember if, which if it was hazelton or if it was maybe god what's name that it might have been a pacific group thing i don't know mm -hmm. i don't remember maybe it was a clancy thing i don't know yeah but it was it was amazing when they would do these step working guys sometimes it was crazy they would come in and and we'd be real like you got to do the steps you got to they'd be done with their 12 steps in like the first 60 days, you know, and uh, meeting their sponsor twice for it. <laughs> right. But if, you, if you're doing the step working guide and stuff, it takes you forever. It takes, it takes, I was, <laughs> I, yes, I give people a month. Yeah. I'm like, you have a month, yeah. you have a month to finish this, except for the fourth step. Wow. I'm like, you have three months because we've got stuff you're from the nice. first three steps. <laughs> I'm My like, I'm brutal. Right now, he's, he, uh, one of, he's, I think, maybe on five or something. He's been with me for a while. Tell him to step it up a little. <laughs> exactly. Exactly. And it's, it's, you know, it's a, it's a fine line. It's a fine line. Like, um, that's what I needed. Cause I had, I had sponsors that weren't like pushing me hard enough. And, um, and then I had one that was like, we're going to get you through this. That's the, yeah. that's the, um, that's the drawback of the super long drawn out, like write everything steps True. is <laughs> it can take up to like, you, it could take years to finish it. Whereas um, one of the nice things about the like quick and dirty 60 day method is you get, you get the first, but you get the first layer down, but like house yeah. painting, you got to do a couple coats. Yeah. You know what I mean? So like, I think <laughs> that the first foundation quickie. Yeah. I think, <laughs> I think the first coat should be a quick and dirty primer coat. Just get in there, get in there and get that shit done. And then the second code is like, all right, now we're going to remodel. Now we're changing things. We're going to move a wall, you know, like get in there. I'm mixing all of my construction metaphors and I live. Um, but that's it. That's very cool. That's very cool. Do you do any other things like prayer, meditation, exercise, posting on your dirty dick Instagram, you know, the whole thing? Um, I, I don't post very much on Instagram. I post pictures of my dog, but um I, I sometimes do some meditation. I've been trying to get back into it, um, but I don't. Um, other than that, I'm not a very spiritual person, I guess. Maybe. I don't know. Um, I, I don't believe in like any God type of thing, so I don't do any prayers or anything like that. I like to call myself a uh, Levian Satanist, but that's very hey. scary to some people. <laughs> hey! DD666. Uh, six, six, six. I mean... Acknowledging lack uh, of spirituality <laughs> is kind of spiritual, dude. It's kind of spiritual. Yeah, I guess. guess. Well, <laughs> I would argue many Satanists are probably more spiritual than some Christians. You know what I mean? Yeah. They're just, you know, they're just trying not to do any harm. They just, exactly. you know, if someone tries exactly. to fuck with you, that's that's where it gets wild because it's not an eye yeah. for an eye. It's an eye for a get the fuck away from me. <laughs> yes. Um, I, I think I like the name uh, Satanist only to bother people. Um, ah, a contrarian. <laughs> I see. Ruffle, it does ruffle the feathers. Yes, I do like it to ruffle the feathers, but that's about it. 
Okay. So, other than that, I, so without I believe a spiritual, in the, <clears throat> without a spiritual practice, I mean, yeah. would you say that step work is a spiritual practice? Definitely. Definitely. It's, uh, definitely. Uh, which I need to continue doing soon. Can't wait to meet with my sponsors. Oh, um, shit. You got your step work book. So, I mean, fuck I it. do. You're, you're doing the deal <laughs> as far as I'm concerned. Yeah, I guess I'm, uh, I, in a sense of spirituality, I guess I, I don't do harm to other people. I, I, I try and, and, uh, I try and live with like karma's standards, you know, like I, I try and do nice things and, and hope that nice things will happen back to me, but not for that reason. But, um, and that I believe in, in fate and destiny and what's, what's meant to happen to me is going to happen no matter what I do, you know? Um, yeah. So what would you say when, when they ask you to conceive of a higher power in the step work? What do you, do you have one? What does it look like uh, if you could describe it? And it's okay if you don't have one, like that's not a work um, to me. Like I was saying, it's, it's, I believe in, in fate, destiny and, and karma and all those things. So I believe in there's, there's some sort of, uh, you, what you put out in the world comes back to you, you know? Um, and that's, that's kind of, I don't know. I don't really think of a higher power as, as, uh, as a, a being or a person or anything like that, but, but, uh, it's just a cycle, you know, it, it's, it's, if I'm going to be a shitty person, my life's going to be shit, you know? Um, yeah, I, I don't really have like a, a thought of, of it being anything other than maybe the group conscience is what I think about when I think of like a higher power, like my, um, my sponsor brothers and all those people, you know, I don't know. Yeah. I like group of drunks. That's a favorite of mine is group of drunks. Yes. And I feel like the higher power question, as long as I don't think I'm the higher power, I think I'm going to be okay. That is, that is clutch. That is, I love it when somebody will be like, I, I have a small thing. will be like, I don't think I'm the higher power. And then I'll be like, oh, okay, blah, blah, blah. Well, do you really think that that applies? Because like, for me, I'm like different. I'm like, you're being the higher power right now. I need you to take a step back, babe love you driving me crazy um uh that's that's amazing what we've we've done it john john my new best friend john we've done it what is your uh what is one thing you would like to tell to somebody just like you in the world oh man i this is the giving it away portion that's question 12. so when there's say young kids at my my old job that are a lot like me i always try to tell them don't be like me. um there's so many things that i've done that are no fun um like for example with relationships um if you end up being a 46 year old that's single in life uh your options are extremely limited the Good people are all long taken. You're left with garbage people for the most part. No. I don't mean that bad. I'm included in that. I'm, all the good people are married. So you're left with people that are majorly dysfunctional, uh, divorced 80 times, uh, retarded. I, I love to use that word. I, I know it's so villainized. but Our word. It's, it's our word. <laughs> um, my sponsors are so mad at me. But whatever. Um, you know, I tell people 
find somebody you care about and lock it down, you know, like have a family, uh, all that fun stuff that I missed out on. Get a good career. Um, you know, uh, don't sit there and, and pick like 80 different career paths and go down them all and then realize that 46 years old, you don't have a degree in anything. You have to be a fucking a babysitter. Um, <laughs> um, like, fuck, I really wish I had joined the military really wish that I had. you would have liked that structure a lot it would have been good for me um i would have walked out of there got the chance to uh to you know go around the whole world for free and walk out of there with an amazing career probably and something um but what's yeah that's what i usually tell most of the kids that i I work with (laughs) i'm gonna give you a bonus question what's one thing you would do if nobody if if money um privilege if if none of that applied if you were rockefeller what was one thing you would do with your life probably continue doing what i'm doing really yeah that's your a number one brings you the most joy thing yeah then awesome you're doing it i mean you're living the dream not to sound like one of those gross people who says that but like (laughs) you're living the dream I, I try to, I mean, there's, I just want to help people, you know, I want to help yeah. people get, get their lives back together. I can, um, I can say this, John, w- without hmm. a shadow of a doubt, there are worse things that someone could be <laughs> listening to this podcast than, than John. <laughs> no, I know, I Absolutely. This, this is a big old compliment coming in hot, but like how you I came to be that. on the podcast today is like, I literally saw you with a mask on in the Ralphs and we probably haven't <laughs> seen each other in real life for over a year at least. And I knew exactly who you were and I have a lot of respect for you. And, and I think you're a good dude. So I really appreciate there that. are worse things that someone listening to this podcast could strive to be than just being a good dude who's working on themselves. Well, I really appreciate yeah. that. You know, did you like my COVID protocols there, by the way? I like, I, I saw you. I gave you a hug. Then I shook your girl's hand. I mean, I, I'm horrible at that stuff. Well, we both blurted out that we were vaccinated. That's why that happened. Yeah. <laughs> it would be very funny store, if you like, were like looking at us in shock. I'm, what are you yeah, doing? I'm sure the people in the grocery store were like, "Oh, fuck those two. It would be wild if you two were like, "We're both vaccinated," and then you just started making out like. Ugh. Like that would have been hot. I went to I went to a um with my stepmom. We we're both vaccinated. We went to a restaurant last night. It was the first time, and I just kept saying, "This is the first time I've been to a restaurant in like over a year. This is weird. Yeah. This is, is weird." weird. And uh, we ate Mexican food, and it was delightful. Um, but we did it. We, we, we podcast guys. We did. We it. did this was a really good one dave great great uh booking just like amazing this was really good well i really appreciate it this was a lot of having anything to say and you had yeah i was very worried (laughs) well i didn't i didn't worry about it too much actually usually i worry a lot but i didn't worry about it all this is a no worry zone yeah i like it if people Very want to reach out to you, John, can they do so via Instagram? Or of course. So of course. Yeah, my BD John six 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 on Instagram. I love it. I love it. That's amazing. And uh, since since you're not like an entertainment human, is there anything 
or at least anymore. Hey, hey. Uh, <laughs> is there anything that you would like to promote? Any charities, anything that you would like to send people to direct people to? Um, God. Sidewalk projects. always good. Okay. Sidewalk project. Yeah. Sidewalk yeah. project. I want to start, I'm going to start doing some, uh, some work with them. I hope some charity work soon. Heck yeah. Uh, I guess. Yeah. Soma snake oil runs it. She's, she's awesome. Um, what is it? What is sidewalk project for the listeners? Uh, it's, it's basically helping people that are living on skid row. They go down there and help them get into treatment and stuff like that. I love that. Help feed them, get them housed, all that fun stuff. So it's great. I love it. Yeah. We'll see if I can do it. Hey, you're I'm vaccinated. Like, go out and go yeah, out. Sure. Play yeah. with the poops. Ooh, <laughs> last time I was there. I was remember driving in and I, I was laughing with somebody about something. I turned my head and there was a girl taking a poop right there next to my car. Yeah. I've seen it. <laughs> you haven't rough. lived in LA until you've seen a whole ass until you've seen yeah. a whole ass taking a dump. <laughs> I saw a lady. I saw a lady one time just wiping into traffic in the wrong direction. Oh. I was like, girl. Oh. And then she switched to the other side of the bench and did it again and laughed. And I was and like, then, this is performance <laughs> art. And then she dug it. Well, <laughs> The girl I saw, she didn't even wipe. She just pooped and pulled her pants up and walked off. <laughs> wow. Wow. Yeah, that's stuff, man. Mm. Hey. Well, uh, ladies we and gentlemen. We end on a shit note. Always. <laughs> I don't know. I was yelling about this the other day. I want my dream for Los Angeles is to buy a ton of land and put a bunch of mobile homes on it and to try to like end homelessness that way, make it cooperative land ownership. So That's people don't have cool. to, have you know what I mean? These, like little, these houses that they're, they're printing print houses for people. Yeah, the, the Crazy. Houses. Yeah. Oh, yeah. Cool. Printing houses. They're tiny, but they're really cool. Yeah. Yeah. You know, I'm a big I believer mean, in having something like that. Yeah, that's beautiful. I love that. That's a good use of technology. You know what I mean? That's amazing. So support the Sidewalk Project. And Anna, how can people find us and all the things in your You can find me at Anna V is Fun on Twitter and Instagram. You can also find me at AnnaBellinsWheel.com. I should update my website. Am I right? Yes, I should. Um, Yes, uh, AnnaBellinsWheel.com. And um, you can check me out every week Wednesday at Self Care Comedy over Zoom as long as that goes on. It really does seem like Zoom comedy is kind of like choking and dying. So uh, support us as long as you're afraid to leave your house. And um, there is, uh, you can find this podcast at 12Q Pod on Twitter and Instagram. You can also find us at uh, 12Q Pod uh, Gmail, um, Facebook. We are at 12Q Pod everywhere you would want to find us. Um, and we love your messages. We love your questions. If we would like to do a listener question episode, we will start farming those questions. We need 12 uh, of them. We need 12. Um, and there we've so far, a lot of the questions we've gotten is, hey, can I be on your podcast? Which is real cute. We love that. Um, but that's that's a different question. We're looking for any old question. You can ask um, Dave about his ability to pick the perfect flannel for all occasions. You can ask me about uh, my skincare routine that somehow has more steps than a 12-step program. Um, you can pod at gmail.com for all those hot, juicy questions all those hot juicy questions whatever they may be um and dave where can people find you you can find me online at yates comedy y-a-t-e-s comedy and if you want to support my hot sauce you can buy some hot sauce at hahahotsauce.com it is um, so good 
And then um, since I'm fully vaccinated, I'll be out on the road doing some shows. So keep an eye out on my Instagram at Yates Comedy. And, uh, you know, if you feel safe enough coming out, please uh, check us check us out in the comedy venue near you. But if you don't feel safe, please just keep doing what you're doing. And John, how we end this podcast every single time is if nobody's told you this today, brother, we love you. Oh, thank you. I love you guys, too. <laughs> and, that was awesome. And if nobody told you this today, Oh, thanks, Dave. Love you too. Do this part. She loves when I do this part. Usually, she's the one to do the love sp- spread. And he goes, "Gross." He goes, "Ew, gross." Nobody's told you this today. Listening to the podcast, we love you. So thanks for tuning in, everybody. We love you so much. Thank you. Keep okay, bye. Bye. Thank you.